let the robo-bodies hit the floor, it seems to be the beginning of the end of everything. All our friends are here. As their stories begin to intertwine, we're going to talk about Bernard's not-so-happy happy path, how Christina gets everyone to quit like a boss, and William I Am's greatest hits. It's The Watchers on the Couch. Welcome back to Watchers on the Couch. Today we are discussing Episode 7 of Season 4, Metanoia. I'm Tim. I'm Sarah. Hey, she's back, everybody. Hey, hey. Yay. See, you thought you'd never hear from Sarah again on this show because Westworld Season 3 was so bad, she decided that's it for me. I'm I'm never watching TV again. I'm not going to do any more Watchers on the Couch episodes. (laughs) This is where I retire from the podcast, Uh but no, she's a- I'm back, baby. She's back, baby. She's helping me out uh, while Mike is out of town in his own park. He's in Dollywood, Dolly World. Yeah, cool. So are you ready to talk Westworld? Sure. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. As you'll ever be. Yeah. so did you pay attention to the show? Uh, as much as I could. Okay, great. That's, <laughs> that's all that you can really ask for when yeah. it comes to this show nowadays. Yeah. Uh, so last week, Mike and I were pretty harsh on the last episode. And yeah, I heard you guys kind of tore it down a little we bit. We did. And some clips from that episode, I wouldn't say they went viral, but uh, they definitely got picked up by the YouTube algorithm. Wow. And boy, did some YouTube commenters have some harsh opinions of our opinions and uh, and us. So that's fun. Well, you know, to each their own. It takes it takes all kinds. Yeah. You know? So our, as our regular listeners know, we've been relatively positive of this season, and we definitely poke fun of things all the time, even things that we like, and it's usually in good fun. But, you know, when people, when the algorithm serves up 15 minutes of, man, these writers are fucking dumb, then I can see how they get the wrong impression about the show. But... Because nobody wants the YouTube algorithm to show them two more white guys complaining about shit. Because <laughs> I think there's enough of that. And I agree. There's enough hate in the world. But, you know, just so you know, I, for the most part, enjoyed this episode. Uh, I did have some gripes about it. So hopefully it's not going to be as negative. Well, I'm on as... the show now. So, I mean, like. You're, that's true. I'm I'm pretty positive in general. Yeah. Not really. You were the But you were the checks and balances a little bit before. I, yeah. So. Yeah. Well. We'll see how it goes today. Used to be, you, know? you were fine with everything. I could be swayed. I was an apologist for everything, and Mike hates everything. That's that's the that that's the, the format that of the show. That was our dynamic, yeah. And then now that there's just two of us, usually you guys just hate. We just hate, you like, just, and you feed. We on the feed. Hate. We feed each other's hate, and hate. it's a wow. it's a vicious cycle. So normally we split our discussion based on character plot, but the way this episode played out all the characters interact at some point so like things uh, we can't like really say here's the Maeve stuff here's the bernard stuff Mm-mm. that's not going to work this time yeah so what did you think of the episode and john well actually what have you thought of the season so far actually i've been really enjoying it mm-hmm. yeah i mean i it's not one of those that i can sit so this is just my personality i can't just sit and watch something like by itself like i my brain needs to be interacting with something else at the same time mm-hmm. i just um so it, it hasn't been like fully capturing my attention like right. like maybe another show that we've been recently watching mm-hmm. but um but i have been enjoying like watching it and spending time with you oh well that's nice that's been cool well hopefully all you out here like listening to us talk about the show and spending time with me yeah Here's my voice. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Mike and I have been really positive up until the last couple episodes. Like, there's been some things that have popped up that we're like, Ugh. Yeah. And I really liked this episode when I saw it. I had two gripes with it. 
And then I started writing my show notes for this episode. And you know, I've been writing my show notes for this episode for two days. You really have. Yeah, you've been really <laughs> intense about it. And I think it's because Mike is out. Because Mike is out. Yeah. And the other thing is, as I'm writing these things, it's like, okay, this is what happened. And this is what happened. And then I'm like starting to think, it's like, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. This There's a problem here. So mm-hmm. hopefully- Like what kind of things have you- So noticed? many things. Okay. <laughs> so many things. Well, I want to hear. We'll get to them. So it starts off with Bernard and Maeve infiltrating the Hoover Dam facility. Mm-hmm. And we come to find out that it is the storage for the Sublime that Dolores beamed there, which that was, we pretty much suspected that. I thought for some reason that the Sublime was uploaded to a satellite and then that satellite was sent off into deep space. Why did you think that? Because I thought that's what, literally what happened. I thought she, like, it got uploaded to a satellite and then. Dolores or Bernard or somebody in season two said where nobody can find it. So I just assume they like just that it's just out. In that that's deep, just out in deep space. Whoa. Um, no, I never I I guess I never thought that I, I never ex- suspected that that was a thing. Dad, did you think that at the end of the last season when it was at when that actually happened? Or did you think that at no, the beginning it, of this season? It was at the begin. It was at the end of season two. That's when the oh okay. That's when the, everybody goes into the sublime. Right, she, right, right. Like, we see Teddy in the field, and I thought I thought it was onto a satellite and just okay. stored there and like left into space where nobody could get to. Okay, it. but at the beginning of this season, when um, the man in black, whatever he he goes to that facility and says that there's something there that was stolen from you. Him eight you suspected years ago. that it was. The we sublime. suspected that it was the sublime. I didn't know what it was for sure, but the only thing that made sense with the, the sublime Absolutely. because he couldn't access it and he didn't want anybody else to access right, it. Right. Yeah. Is what he said, and then come to find out, uh, I guess Dolores in season. Th- three or so i get that where blah 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 either way this is where dolores sent it at some point uh-huh. i don't know if that means it's a copy of it or if that really was the only intended destination for it okay but that's dumb because anybody knows you should always have a backup of your data if it's just stored in one location <laughs> it's not backed up and that brings us to our sponsor of the show uh, backblaze no blackface is not a sponsor so backblaze is not a sponsor but they should be that would have been a good intro or a good segue. That would have been a great a segue. Yeah. Um, so backblaze. If you're listening. If you're listening. <laughs> so Bernard uses his key to access it. He's chatting with Maeve. And we find out that this is actually a fat, a flashback to his time in Sublime. And mm-hmm. Yeah, which did, I was not suspecting. You were not suspecting. No, not at all. When did you figure it out? When we saw uh, him in the Sublime, like... Oh, when he's actually, t- when he's talking to Akechida? Yes. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. When did you suspect it? Um, when he said that, when Maeve was saying, you know, people are coming, we don't have a lot of time, and Bernard mentions that we'll a- that they'll actually have another opportunity mm. soon enough. Okay. And then that's when I actually looked at the screen and realized it was letterboxed. <gasps> oh, the telltale. Yeah. yeah, I'm usually pretty good at spotting that, yeah. but because the show start because the episode started yeah, that way, it's tricky. Yeah, because depending if you're watching another TV show, it might be in that aspect ratio, mm-hmm. and then you're like switching over to the next thing. It's like, and then it's and then it starts to expand into full screen. It's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. So before the before the immediate reveal, but not soon enough for my own liking, is when I discovered that. <laughs> Uh, but he tells Maeve that extinction for both hosts and humans is pretty much unavoidable. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but they could escape if they wanted to upload themselves into the sublime. And Maeve's like, absolutely, let's do this. Mm-hmm. I want to be with my daughter. Yeah. And Bernard wonders whether or not Maeve would really say that or if it's his interpretation, interpretation of, of her. Yeah. And she's like, well, why don't you ask the real Maeve? Mm-hmm. And she does like this thing with like, man, you have so little, uh, <laughs> so little faith in us. He goes, well, would you help? She's like, absolutely not. <laughs> I would totally fuck <laughs> off. Um, but then, yeah, we go back to the now times and then Bernard is playing out what we just saw this time for real. But this time there's some differences as Bernard and Maeve are traveling to the tunnel to where the sublime is stored at the Hoover Dam. He drops off what appears to be a gun uh, in the hallway or in the in the tunnel that he didn't do with the first the first go round. And then everything else plays out almost exactly the same, except this time Maeve tells Bernard to send her to the sublime after they win the battle. Um unprompted by Bernard mm-hmm. about anything. So it mm-hmm. kind of seems to catch Bernard off guard a little bit. Yeah. So he doesn't say anything. He right. just promises to do that. Oh, well, he wasn't suspecting it. Yeah. Right. So he just, yeah, he, he, does, he doesn't even get to the part where it's like, hey, we're all fucking doomed, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I promise. And that brings us to the Chris Nays Minute. Uh, the Chris Nays Minute is a bit scattered this week. He's uh, He has many thoughts and I have dissected them and place them throughout the show for us to talk about cool. at various points. Nice. So, Hello, this is Chris Nays with the Chris Nays Minute. Uh, I actually took notes throughout the episode of my thoughts as I progressed through. Let me uh, pull up my notes here. All right, let's begin. Is a Bernard promise as meaningful as a human promise? What do you think, Sarah? Do you think uh, a Bernard promise is as good as a human promise, oh given uh, given the state of this episode? Wow. Um, that's a great question. You know, he really poses a really interesting question, because just like, would would a human have done the same? I think a human promise is not as good as a Bernard That's promise. exactly what I was thinking. I yeah. was thinking, like, even though Bernard blatantly lies with his promise here. He like makes a promise he can't keep. I think I would still trust a Bernard promise over (laughs) pretty much any other human. Yeah. hundred percent, especially in this world. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Glad we're on the same page. We're still team Bernard. Yay. In this episode, uh, when they're at the dam, uh, is that a goddamn has, uh, has she always called Bernard Bernard or is that a new thing? She did it several times this episode, and I couldn't help but notice. Bernie. It was Bernie. So, first of all, Sarah, is it a goddamn? <laughs> no, it is not. It is a not god a goddamn? Damn. No. Chris, I think it might it's a, be a hot damn. Hot damn. <laughs> so especially after it's on fire. Mm-hmm. In terms of Maeve and Bernard and how she says Bernard, she usually says Bernard. I thought she was saying Bernie. She did say Bernie. She did refer to him as Bernie. That's the first time that, that I've... That's the first time she's called him Bernie. That but here's, caught me off guard. But here's the thing. And this is, an, this is a gripe that I have with the show. This is not a complaint. It's not a demerit against this episode. So this is not one of my major bitches. This is pretty pedantic. This is pretty much the only time Maeve and Bernard actually interact in the entire show. Okay. Like yeah. They have not... They didn't interact in seasons two or three. Sure. Yeah. 
And I don't think they interacted in any way other than maintenance in season one, okay. from what I remember. So we have the two oldest hosts, presumably, interacting for the first time. And there is no there is no exploration of that dynamic or how it affects them. It's just mission only. Mm-hmm. And that kind of it's one of my gripes with the entire season is that they don't really explore any interpersonal relationships this season. Let me ask you this, though. Mm-hmm. If you were in a situation where it was life or death, would you be exploring your feelings or would you try to get shit done? I would. I understand that for the case of the mission. I would still probably try to find a spot to put it in there for the satisfaction of the viewer. Okay. <laughs> because this isn't the real world. It's a story. Okay. And, right. and the personal conflict struggles and chemistry between characters matters. And stories. And stories. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that would have been a cool thing to touch on, but okay. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. No, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think it's an interesting idea that you're you're missing it and you noticed it, that it's missing. I thought it was very familiar, though, that she was just like Bernie. Yeah. And because they don't have any of that history, um, that's what caught me off guard. Mm-hmm. Um, because there wasn't, there wasn't any, like you said, there wasn't any previous like interaction. So at least I don't think there was. I don't remember there ever being right because I think like in season three, Bernard really only interacts with Dolores and Caleb briefly. Mm-hmm. Season two, Bernard's off in his own headspace, and Maeve's out in the park looking for her daughter. So I don't think they ever come into contact in that season either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. Because I don't think I don't think he's in the facility when they're dissecting Maeve and Maeve gets her super upgrades. That's uh, that she interacts with like a memory of Ford. Okay. But okay, on the way out of the Hoover Dam, Bernard has basically opened up the Sublime and he leaves this rip in the real world, uh, this big kind of flaming column thing mm-hmm. that presumably only hosts can see, similar to like the end of season two. That was, yeah, my question too. Can everybody see that or only hosts? It's only hosts. Yeah. We would assume because, again- Because only hosts what, could see it that first time too. Right, yeah. and then also I think it's not real. <laughs> yeah. It's- uh. Like, I don't know. I don't know exactly how to explain it. There's not really a rift in space time that leads to somewhere. Mm. So Bernard and Maeve return to the ruins of Temperance Park uh, and they meet up with Stubbs, uh, Frankie and Odina after Stubbs has given uh, Frankie a pep talk in preparation to rescue Caleb. And she apologizes to Odina for locking her up in a room uh, to keep her safe. Or to keep herself safe in case Odina turned out to be a host, but you'd think a host could kick down a door. <laughs> so I don't know. Either way. Also, that place is built kind of flimsy. Like, even as a human, you could probably kick down that door. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So they all load up and land outside the city uh, with Bernard and Bay, with Bernard and Maeve heading to Chair Loris's tower and Frankie and Stubbs heading off to Olympiad. And Bernard says his farewell to Stubbs, tells him he's been a good friend, and Stubbs asks why he's being this nice. Bernard mentions, like, you know me so well, do I really have to say it? And Stubbs infers that he doesn't make it out of this alive. And that's when Bernard tells him to go left at the fork. And then Frankie and C go to the city. 
Yeah. So I do have some issues with this. Some of these are pedantic. Let's hear it. I still have an issue with them flying those big drone things to the city from the park or even just outside landing outside the city and not getting caught. Mm -hmm. I still think you should be able to see things in airspace if you rule the world. Mm -hmm. But okay, (laughs) it's uh, it sounds batty, but, you know, the YouTube commenters made it clear that I'm the asshole there. So, okay, Okay. I'm not going to beat that issue up too much. All right. That's really my only issue with that. Oh, that was it With, with that scene. All right. What do you think? Do you think uh, Stubbs is going to die? No. You don't? No, I think that Bernard didn't correct him because he didn't want Stubbs to know that he was going to die. Good call. That's, I think the same. He he implies it in a way. He doesn't say it so purposely, so Stubbs implies that he's the one that's going to die. Sure. Yeah, and he doesn't correct him. Yes. Right. So is that him telling him that he's going to die? That Stubbs is going to die? Yeah. Is that Bernard telling him that Stubbs is going to die with if Bernard did not correct him? I think what I think what it is is one of two things. Either Bernard needs Stubbs to think that he's going to die because that allows Stubbs to put himself in a position where he's actually going to be able to save somebody. Put himself or, completely out there, basically. Yeah. yeah. Or the other thing that I was thinking is Stubbs' prime directive, as it were, like his main function is to protect Bernard. So if Bernard says, no, I'm the one that's going to die, Mm -hmm. then Stubbs has to go with Bernard. He wouldn't otherwise, they'd have to basically shut Stubbs down because you wouldn't be able to then order him to go with uh, Frankie. That's a great point. That brings us to another section of the Chris Nays Minute. He has a question. Why do robots hug? Why? Yep, that's it. That's the question. Why do robots hug? Is he talking about the hosts specifically? Bernard and Stubbs hug. Yeah. When they say their goodbyes. Yeah. Um. the The hosts were programmed to be human like. They were. They were. And they obviously have um, their own intelligence and their own feelings, even. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't they show affection to each other? There you go, Chris. I don't know. I mean, that's that's my that's it. It didn't caught me catch me as odd, or didn't seem odd to me that they hugged. I, yeah, I didn't actually. That, that that is not one of my complaints with this episode. <laughs> this yeah. was actually one of the, the one of the moments I liked best in the episode because you see a lot of affection between hosts in different capacities. Throughout the entire the entire series, mm. Maven, Maven, um, Teddy, and Dolores and Teddy. I'm sorry, Dolores and Teddy, and Maven. That um, that one guy, Hector. Hector. Oh my goodness, that was that was beautiful. Mm. That was a beautiful relationship. Mm. Just the the caring of each other. They cared for each other. Yeah, Chris. Why can't robots care? <laughs> That's the question you should be asking. Okay. What, Chris? Why let's, is your heart so? No, let's not. Let's not. Pile on, Chris. That's not nice. <laughs> no, I'm kidding, Chris. So moving on to what's going on in the the Olympiad building. Uh, Hale, along with Robo William version 2, wakes up Caleb, who, aside from general Caleb trauma, doesn't appear to be suffering any deteriorating effects that he was before, either fleshy or mechanical, which is interesting because 
previous Caleb's were starting to glitch immediately after this whole do you remember that you died here thing, which is a sign that a host has fidelity and needs to start over. Last episode, I also assumed that this is why his body was deteriorating, and I got a lot of, no, you're fucking dumb on Reddit, and that Hale programmed his body to fail. Fidelity has nothing to do with that, which Mike and I discussed last episode, and then I got some more, no, you're fucking dumb, his body's failing just like James Delos when he failed Fidelity on YouTube. So, you know what? I don't know. There's a 50-50 shot one way or the other, and somehow I was wrong both times, whatever. I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about that too much. But anyway, Hale mentions that Caleb's in a pathetic form, to which Caleb responds that he she seems pretty attached to hers. She says hers is a little less pathetic, but we'll find out later that it's still uh still pretty vulnerable. But again, that makes it even more unclear. Does that mean she made Caleb extra frail slash more human and maybe she did make those other Caleb's have a kind of self-destruct? Or does that just mean her form is more superior or upgraded than the rest of the host? Which, of course, you would assume it would be, and that Hale's body would be the more the most advanced of the human-looking hosts. Maybe the other Caleb's did have fidelity issues that led to an early death, and this Caleb has fidelity? Maybe fidelity isn't actually that elusive? I feel like we were led to believe that it's difficult and that it wasn't ever really achieved before, but maybe that's me being wrong. Uh, maybe the Robo-Williams had it. I mean, I assume they didn't for reasons we saw at the end of season two, because we see that there is a William being tested for fidelity, and it's been a long time, and we're like way, way in the future. But I don't know. I don't know. And whatever memories they have of human... I also assume that whatever memories the Robo-Williams had of human William wasn't really memory, um, but more data about William that was used in lieu of memory. I don't know if that makes sense. What am I trying to say? Like, there's, there's data, there's memory as data, but then there's, like, an emotional component to it. And you can, like, copy the data memory, and those hosts would have the memory, but making the connection to actually like continue the person. I guess that's the philosophical or metaphysical debate about, you know, what is humanity? But so it's possible for a host to have all the memories and be able to mimic its progenitor, but not actually be that fidelity continuation of that person. Like Caleb, like they were trying to achieve with Caleb. But as we learn later in this episode with William, it seems like when he's talking to Bernard that he's got some pretty specific or pretty vivid connection to the time human William spent trying to find Arnold's maze. So maybe he has fidelity or maybe he didn't gain fidelity until he talks to human William. So I got off on a tangent. Um, so getting back to the Hale and Caleb thing, she tells Caleb that this is essentially the last day of existence. She's sudden, she, Hale is going to shut down all the cities, which this is the first time we actually get a confirmation that there's there really is more than one city, which is interesting. We assumed they made it appear, like even in the behind-the-scenes stuff in Westworld, that the city is the city. And there was, you know, there's been some debate online about whether or not like what's going on in the rest of the world and it's and it it, it seemed like 
they wiped out most of humanity. And then this city is basically the protective habitat of what is left of humanity with some outliers here and there, like resistance type folks. But apparently there's more cities, which I don't know if that means there's more towers or if that's still the, the, the city has the tower and that tower just broadcasts everywhere. That's what it seems to be. But I don't know. But Hale says she's shutting down the cities. All the hosts are going to transcend and all the humans are going into cold storage. I don't know if that's hyperbole for being dead and cold in the ground or if they're actually going to store them uh, in cold storage, kind of like they're doing with Flesh William. But Caleb's essentially to be there for bait for Frankie and the resistance, which the resistance in the city that arrived is only Frankie and Odina. So I have no idea what purpose this serves or why any of that matters. She's very one-dimensional. And they don't flesh out like her motivations for anything. The reason the reason she prints another Caleb. Mm-hmm. After after that call. Right? After that call out, why would he what it's just to torture him some more? It's she says that you're here as bait for Frankie and the resistance. Uh-huh. But don't we don't need that. Like you don't need to be physically there as bait because you've already made your call out. There's that, but there's also the fact that she's getting ready to transcend. She's transcending half an hour later. She's piecing off into that body. She's not she's James Bond villain villaining herself out of the picture. Mm-hmm. The only reason she's still there is cuz Maeve interrupts her. Yeah. So it's like yeah, I'm going to wipe out the resistance. Meanwhile, the resistance is just Frankie and her girlfriend now, because that's all that shows up. You're yeah. taking your war to hail on the resistance is two people. Yeah. It's like, what, what has happened? Like, there's no reason, like, Caleb as bait for Frankie would be something Hales should care about mm-hmm. at this point in the story. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I I did not I did not think about that. I didn't think about it until I was writing the show notes. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What? Yeah, what's the motivation?" Yeah, no the 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 main the main other than just holding on to a grudge. Yeah, I mean she's very petty, but at the same time, it's like okay, whatever. But she tells host William that he has one day left in the city, and she'll see him tomorrow, presumably after he transcends. But Host William doesn't like this at all. He's going to go talk to Meet William about how Hale's going to take away his world. Meet William says it's not his world, it's hers, echoing back what Robo William said to him in a past discussion. Meet William says if it was up to him, he'd pull the plug on the whole world. Culture doesn't survive. Cockroaches do, yada, yada, yada. Um, And even though there's no scenario where he gets free, only one of them needs to do what needs to be done because Robo William is him, despite two episodes ago saying Robo William will never be him. So that's another gripe I have. Um, But again, that's not something I'm going to sweat too much. I'm trying to keep this as positive as I can, (laughs) but that's it's it's I think that is worthy of note that nothing has really changed from Meet Williams perspective in order for him to make that decision, because it seems like. Once he's sealed up in that thing, he's in stasis. He's only waking up for these talks. So it's not like he has a lot of time on his hands to think. But he asks Robo William if he understands what he's saying. And Robo William says he does. Perhaps this is where he finally makes that connection where his 
existential crisis about what he is ends. And he actually gains fidelity through this conversation. And he stabs Meet William. And presumably, Meet William has a smile on his face as he dies. This show only ever needs more William. Check yes or no. That's 100%. I'm actually, after this episode, I'm checking no. Oh, no. Huh. I I think it's like more cowbell, more William, 100%. I think we have just enough William. I think any more William, it would suck. I think you need one more William. I think you need a good William. You need a white hat William. You need a, you need a, you need a man in white? Mm-hmm. What if next season is all Williams? No, that's too many Williams. Too many Williams? Yeah. You don't want to see... That's the spinoff of the show. Too many, <laughs> Too no, many the, Williams. No, the spinoff of the show is you have five five Williams. And, and they're it, all raising a baby together. <laughs> I was going to say it's Orphan Man in Black. But oh, okay. <laughs> it's five, five Williams and a baby. <laughs> three, three Williams and a little Caleb. <laughs> So at this point, I guess it makes the most sense to jump over to uh, Christina. So when we see Christina for the first time this episode, she's waking up. Teddy's nearby. And they have a little bit of dis- discussion as to what they actually are. Um, and Teddy says they're reflections of the people who made us. She asks if they can be hurt or killed. And he says, yeah, they can, but it's a little more difficult with their kind. Uh, Teddy slips up, slips up, or maybe he doesn't, maybe it's intentional, and he calls her Dolores, and she doesn't like that too much. So she locks herself in the bathroom and drowns herself only to come back to life. Which brings us to this question from Chris. Do you think Christina always bathes with her top on? Thought that was a little interesting. <laughs> I honestly thought that was really weird too. I didn't realize what was happening until it was just like, oh, it's she's trying to drown herself. But in a real world scenario, you, I don't think the average person could drown themselves that way. I think that you would fight for air too much. You would come to the surface, right? Well, she, I mean, her instinct is to, and she braces herself against the tub to keep herself down there. Yeah. But the other thing is, whether or not she's trying to kill kill herself or if she just wants to see if she'll come back. Hmm. Because presumably, if she's actually trying to kill herself because everything's fucked up, why do you care about your clothes at all? Just throw your whole just throw yourself in there with the with the with your pajamas. It's modesty. Mama modesty. Mama modesty. Yeah, sorry about that. It's her modesty. If somebody found her, yeah, throw yourself in there with her pajamas. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Just put your pajamas on. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What, what I'm saying is, she takes her yeah. pajamas off, but she leaves her underwear. Yeah, on. yeah. I get what you're saying. Let's well, just keep everything on. Yeah. Like the reason why, Chris, the the answer to why she's wearing her underwear is because nobody wants to get nude anymore, which is fine. And they shouldn't have to. Right. Um, interesting. Also, especially because it's this late in the season of an HBO series, all the nudity is in the first two seasons, and then you get nothing. And that's okay. Yes. Um, I think... The boobs are to hook you, 
and then they st- and then you and then you have oh, to stay sorry. for the story and hope the story's good. What if like what if she didn't take her what if she took her pajamas off because she didn't want to get waterlogged? Like she's like, well, if I am this thing, you know, I'm going to come back and I don't want to have all my clothes wet. She's thinking ahead. <laughs> but I do want to wear saggy underwear. You know, what if I what if I do die and Teddy has to come in and break down the door? I don't want to see me naked. Yeah, I'm with you. All right. That's fine. Whatever. I don't want to be pedantic. And because of a reveal later in this episode, I'm going to look past this. But again, this is actually problematic based upon what happens to other hosts. Even the special ones, they don't tend to just pop back to life after they're killed. But whatever, like every, all of them need to be repaired. Even Maeve needs to be repaired. So you would think if Christina actually kills herself, she needs to be repaired too. But we find out that she might not even be real, which, again, this doesn't make sense either. We'll get into that later. I'm going to let this go for now. So fast forwarding a little bit, uh, Teddy and Christina go to Olympiad, where Christina has decided that all of this needs to stop. All the narratives, everything that's going on, these people need to be free from their loops. So she uses her power to get people to leave, and as they make their way through the Olympiad building, she passes Caleb locked up and asks who it is. And Teddy says that he's a ghost from a past life and they kind of keep moving on. So she has everyone get up and quit their job, smash the place up, has the writers delete all their narratives. And she has security leave the building and unlock all the doors, even Caleb's, which comes in handy here. Yeah. Would you want Christina as a boss? You may get vacation incentives. Something to think about. Uh, I'm going to save the chair commentary for the end, but that's where some chair stuff happens. Uh, Cut it off there. You okay. haven't been paying. Yeah, you, since you don't listen to the podcast, you don't know the ongoing chair stuff that's happening. Yeah, sorry, listeners. I uh, Coming in blind here. Coming in blind here. But first, would you, would you like Christina as a boss? Hmm. Um, no. I don't think so. Why not? Uh, free will, basically. Oh, because she's just gonna tell you tell you what to do. Yeah, and yeah, and you just you you do it. Right. No question. Yeah, your, your vacation time only counts if she's if she tells you to go on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would also not like to be Christina's boss either. Because he's a dick. Uh, no, no, not not him specifically. I mean, yes, he is a horrible person but um just also oh because yeah. she, christina can <laughs> tell you yeah. basically i don't really want to know christina yeah. <laughs> can exactly. we just be two ships passing in the night please can, can we just like not not meet ever not ever interact that'd be great what do you think tim no i agree <laughs> you do i do you you do not want to be christina's uh subordinate you don't. You don't want to have Christina as a boss. I don't want to have it. To, like once, if Christina decides to like get rid of her god powers, then sure, she knows what it's like to work in a shitty corporate <laughs> scenario like Facebook, mm-hmm. and yeah. then uh, we'll get the benefits, and I'll probably get some more time off. Mm-hmm. But you know, as long as she can be like, "Hey, uh, you need to come in Saturday," or "You're going to come in Saturday," and I'm just going to be like, "I'm going to be here Saturday." Mm-hmm. 
and I can't say, fuck off, I'm not coming in Saturday. Right. Then, yeah, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Am I going to be paid for an extra day? She's like, you don't get paid at all. Oh. Huh. That's the other thing. Yeah. These people don't get money. They're on loops. Right. That's weird. It's super weird. Yeah. Uh, Here's the thing, Chris. I don't want to work. <laughs> I don't want to boss, period. The system sucks. Their system sucks. This system sucks. Can we ask questions to Chris? Yeah, he can't can answer. Oh, well. Because <laughs> he's not here. I wish that he would have answered his own question. Oh, there you go, Chris. I'm Chris, here. you have to respond. To you, you, Chris, you have to respond to your own questions. I'll put out a bonus episode, maybe. Can, can we hear what Chris thinks about it? Because I like the questions that he's posing. Like they're really, they're really cool. I just, I'm curious what Chris's take is. I agree. I'm also, I also want to know what Micah thinks of this episode. I actually know what Mike thinks of the episode. I just want to know why he thinks it. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of want to do see if I can do like a 15 minute follow up. Uh, later this week. So, Chris, yeah, that'd be answer good. your own goddamn question. Oh, damn. <laughs> so aggressive. It's a goddamn. It's a hot damn. It's a Hoover dam. It's a Hoover goddamn. So, Frankie and Stubbs are also in the building, in the halls, and this is where Stubbs takes a left at the fork that Bernard told him to do. And as he does so, a second later, Teddy and Christina are coming from that direction. So, if they were in the same time space thingy they would have had to have run into each other so we have a deliberate edit here to show that that's not really the case so this is foreshadowing that christina is something or somewhere else when that happens but if that's the case why can she see and interact with everything but didn't see Stubbs and frankie either way Stubbs and frankie get to caleb caleb initially attacks them not knowing who they are When Frankie reveals her identity at first, he thinks it's a trick, but Frankie tells the story why she's called Cookie to get him to believe her. But again, in the context of the world, of of Westworld, of what they've shown to be possible, this doesn't seem like a good sell either, because if Hale has access to Caleb's memories, which she must because Caleb has access to his memories then it's not a good litmus test because she could still have manufactured a Frankie with that knowledge. Because after all, she whipped up a J in record time. But we can also operate under the assumption that Hale doesn't know what an adult Frankie looks like. But then if you go down down that rabbit hole, then she couldn't have known what an adult J would look like and would either have to have waited until he made it into the city, which means they would have had to have print and send to Jay the minute William sounded that alarm, and the whole process and travel time to get Jay, host Jay to intercept real Jay, was like faster than a 30-minute pizza delivery. But whatever. Either way, I guess it's not important. Like I see it feels it feels like that should be important. But people tell me I'm wrong. That's okay. But either way, we get the reunion we're waiting for, and it's great. Frankie mentions that Caleb looks exactly the same as she remembers him and asks what they did to him. And Stubbs also mentions that when they come into this room, that the old park had a room like this where they turned a human into a host, which I, I'm not saying that this didn't happen, but I absolutely don't remember this happening in season one or two, that that ever being brought up. Um, If it never happened, Like, if I'm remembering correctly, and that was never established anywhere, and this is the first hint that we've gotten 
of Caleb being what is quote unquote a hybrid, then that's really a sloppy reveal because it's not established in earlier episodes and it's only kind of mentioned in the behind the scenes stuff. And I feel like if you have to, if you need to watch the behind the scenes stuff for the main story to make sense, then you're a bad fucking storyteller. Like an 11th hour reveal is fine for an episodic show where each episode can stand on its own, but you have a 10 episode season and it's the second to last episode. No, that's lazy. Like you, you, you're sitting on something just for the sake of sitting on something. You don't know how to get from one point to another. So you just do, Oh, by the way here. So, but again, I could be wrong. Maybe, maybe there's a connection there that I'm missing um, about turn actually turning a human into a host or maybe they're just talking about the because subs make it sound like they are turning a human into a host not making a host of a human but maybe that's what he means or maybe that's what the writers intended for us to interpret it's that it's basically like what they did with james delos or maybe they maybe he's referring to james delos where they're trying to make a fidelity copy. Maybe that could be all that it's referring to, and it has nothing to do with actual biology. I'll let you guys figure that out. Tell me I'm wrong or whatever, because whatever. I Sometimes trying to make... It, 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 it can be exhausting trying to make the pieces fit when you have to do it all the time, and you have to do it all the time in the show, because the show's not going to give it to you. If you're lucky, the show will explain something at least a little bit, but there's like so much that's like left up to your imagination. And I feel like when you're making a sci-fi show that is, yeah, it's mostly philosophical or metaphysical. Like what is a human? What is a, what is a machine? But you're using technology inconsistently. You have robots that are inconsistent (laughs) and you don't have interpersonal relationships between the characters that much. So it's like these things add up and I don't want to have to do, I don't want the mental capacity of having to translate each episode into something that makes sense. It's getting, it's getting frustrating. Like you can only rely on style over substance so long. Yes. The show is gorgeous. Yes. The soundtrack is beautiful. Yes. The actors are wonderful, but you've got to put something underneath it. You have to, you have to, you have to give, you put meat on those bones. Anyway, jumping back. Jesus. Sorry. Uh, so, yes, Caleb Caleb and Frankie reunite. Um, I've seen some comments or some mentions that it's bullshit that Caleb didn't disclose that he's a host to her. Um, this is actually something I don't have a problem with. Um, I don't think Frankie's, even though the writers have done some dumb things with Frankie, I don't think the character of Frankie is stupid. I think she's already made that connection that Caleb's a host based upon the dialogue of what's said and what isn't. I would probably be more pissed off if Caleb tells her next episode that she's that he's a host and she's surprised by it or she's angry about it. Like, I feel like she should have. I feel like she's smart enough to have made that connection and realize what's happening. Just a reminder, if you have questions, theories, or corrections for us here at Watchers on the Couch, don't forget that you can send us an email at mailbag at watchersonthecouch.com or leave us a voicemail with SpeakPipe on our website, watchersonthecouch.com, or via the link in the show notes. So 
so let's move on to the events at the tower, shall we? Um, Bernard and Maeve get to the tower and are about to split up. So Bernard can get to the top and presumably destroy it. That's, that's the reason why they're here. And Maeve is going to go deal with Hale and provide a distraction. But this is where Bernard finally comes clean that they aren't going to win. Bernard could just spoil the entire plot for us if he wanted to, right? He could just tell us everything that's ever going to happen on the show. And does Bernard know it's a show? What if he just broke the fourth wall? That would be great. <laughs> that would be great. The way the show was going, I wouldn't actually mind that. <laughs> but did a Zach Morris style? Yeah. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> <laughs> you might be wondering how I got here. It is a show. It's called Hey Arnold. Uh, this world is essentially fucked, but there's hope for the next one and wants to know if Maeve will still, you know, stand with him and fight and which she does. So again, Hale decides she's ready to transcend. This is where we get to see what transcendence really is as they shed off their forms and transcendence isn't getting uploaded to some other sublime type thing or becoming pure energy or any shit like that. They're going into actual new bodies. They're shedding their human like form by getting the back of their heads drilled out and having their brain ball removed and placed into some giant sleek white robot form thing. Can we talk about those for just a second? Yes, please. Okay. So why, why are they like, just, why are they like that? Yes. Why is this a thing? Why is this a thing? This is my major gripe. This is one of the major gripes I have with this episode. Are, do they even have arms? They don't. So how do you do anything? Right. That... So weird. This is the, yeah, this is the problem with this episode is we've spent like, I don't know, three or four episodes talking about transcendence now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, what is this? Why is it important? And basically all it is is shedding their human-like bodies for whatever Hale thinks is this more perfect form. Mm-hmm. And it looks like an abstract headphone stand from the Sky Mall It catalog. does. It absolutely does. Yes. It, it is something dreamed up in a nightmare is what it is. Um, this is amorphic. amorphic I think that's right trying to think of the word anyway it's just it's so bizarre it's it's human-like but it's not human-like like the the way that the legs moved it's almost like um like the knees move backwards did you notice that mm-hmm. a little bit yeah a little bit and then no limbs above the torso so no way to manipulate your surroundings mm-hmm. unless you figure out how to do that with your feet, which it did not seem it like didn't have toes. Did not have toes. So okay, let's let's move our our consciousness into this form that cannot really do anything that it's unless you're just doing everything with your mind, which would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just it was really odd. It's it's dumb. Like the whole thing is dumb. Like they never they never really delve into why this is a desire for Hale mm-hmm. and even more so why she would go for the sublime next to take them out and put them into these things. Yeah. 
And like the big thing, like the, the thing with going online and reading stuff is that everybody's just trying to justify why shit doesn't make sense in the show. So like the Reddit community right now was well, obviously this is a stopgap. This isn't their final form. This is their, what they transfer temporarily before they go on to something else. It's like, no motherfucker. They said, this is transcendence. It's transcendence time. This is what they do. This is what they've been doing. <laughs> they've been putting the people in this thing and the body's been falling on the floor and they go off in this giant sky mall guy. This giant sky mall guy. That's it. That's all there is. Mm-hmm. That's all they've shown. And since they haven't explained it, anything that you're throwing out there is just as much bullshit as anything I'm saying. <laughs> I'm going by what they're showing. So yes, that is dumb. So there's Hale about to get deballed when she's interrupted by Maeve and she makes some comments about how it doesn't seem like any of the other hosts want to join her. And despite all her anti-human, anti-humanity, like pathetic form sentiment stuff, she's still wearing her scarred skin. She's basically no different than the rest of them. Um, I honestly thought that the robot headquarters was pretty weird. But if it all just uh, led up to it being a setting for this fight scene, then I'm okay with it. Everything's fancy, for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And it's one of those things, why does... It, it, it's interesting, because obviously this whole thing was built after Hale took over the world. Sure. But Hale hates humans and hates human things. It's It's interesting that she gives a shit about, like, Things that'd be aesthetically pleasing. Is that why human do- only? Is that a human trait? Well, I only have that to compare it to. <laughs> Is there? Who, are there, who, are, are who there, else am I going to ask? Are there other animals in the king in like the animal kingdom that like like aesthetically pleasing things? I'm. Eh. I mean, people. I'm people. There's plenty of creatures that make intricate like homes and things mm-hmm. like that but hail needing a 30 foot round room with a red orientation thing of a map it's like well how much space does a robot think they need like does... <laughs> do you think it's i think maybe it's it's more about power it's more about control right mm-hmm. it's, that's what it's all about so you can't give that kind of scale that kind of um visual scale of power if she's in a freaking mop closet you know like, <laughs> <laughs> she open, there, there is a closet and you open it up it's milton from the office space i believe you have my stapler mm-hmm. no you're right and it obviously it's a story and it needs to be visually appealing mm-hmm. there's a lot of there's a lot of visual appealness to Westworld. <laughs> it just doesn't always have the story to back it up. It's lazy story writing. It, it, there's a lot of lazy storytelling in this episode. Uh, the other thing that really ticked me off was we have Hale and Maeve facing off. Yeah. To which Hale says, I thought about digging you up myself but I came to the conclusion you had nothing left to live for. That is fucking dumb. What a goofy-ass way to cover up a plot hole. Hmm. Okay. Like, is Hale just stupid? Like, Maeve was a serious threat. Yeah. 
that they had to take care of. Right. And she just leaves her under the sand, which everybody had a problem with. It's like, why didn't they just get her? Why didn't they just dig her up? Mm-hmm. And then everybody's like assuming, well, they can't they can't find her. You know, she's buried underneath sand, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, all you need is a fucking Back metal hole. detector. Yeah. Or a big fan in Bernard's case. But mm-hmm. any any anyway, like she knows where the demolition zone was that she died at. She could have dug her up. And presumably she dug up William because they didn't find William's body there. So, anyway, they use that to cover it up. I decided you didn't have anything else to live for. Well, it's like, well, you fucked up. Like, this whole thing, Hale is so dumb this season. Like Chris says, a fight ensues. They had, uh, the fight spills outside, go through the wind, goes through a window, and uh, a drone gets involved. There's not a whole lot to tell here. Um, I'm not, if it seems like I'm rushing this, I'm not. The fight, I mean, well... Westworld's fights have always been kind of crap uh, when it comes to like hand in hand fighting. I mean, they're they're good at the straight up murder and the shooty people, but you know we don't really watch the show for well choreographed uh, kick punch combos. So there's there's not a lot to say here. Um, in the course of the fight, Hale tells her that Maeve can't win. Maeve says they're not here to, and this is where in the midst of some dialogue. Maeve gets shot in the head by William and like just kills her outright, which was kind of like a, Oh shit, but not really like, cause again, we know everybody's going to lose. And we also know that nobody really dies in this show. So it's not like we're not, we're, we're, we're probably going to see Maeve again. We can talk about that in a little bit, but Hale says took him long enough. And William says, it's time to play the game his way. Hale asks what game, William says survival of the fittest and he shoots Hale in the head, which is like, wow. But of course, like during the, it's pretty obvious that he's going to shoot Hale in the head. So again, that's not surprising, but Hale drops to the water, bullet to the head, seemingly gone, but maybe not because nobody dies. So if we jump over to Bernard, Bernard's in Hale's office, control room, whatever it's called. But instead of shutting down or destroying the tower, like he said he's going to, or like what his goal is, he seems to be recording a message on a tablet. He says that there's, it's not the world that you wanted, but it's the world that you made. Um, there's one game left to play, reach out with their left hand, I think was, was the gist of that. Um, he gets interrupted by William, though, who has some dialogue about how he remembers, well, he calls Bernard Arnold's ghost and gets into some stuff about how, as William, he was following Arnold's maze, trying to find some deeper meaning that wasn't there. Um, but he shoots, William shoots Bernard in the, in the midsection and it brings him down. Why, 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 why would it do that? Cause Frankie shot him in the chest last episode. It did nothing. This is my this is my second demerit. Well, maybe he just knew knew it was time. Oh, is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, he's just like, oh, I'll snap. Time. Oh, now I shut down. Now it's time for the big nap. So again, this is like another like issue that I have, and that people got. Cause I had I had a big issue with the differences in host biology and how it's inconsistent, and. 
I thought the previous episode with the Caleb stuff was was really bad for that. And again, it's people saying that, you know, I'm too pedantic. And then they're going back. And then it's today it was, well, William's gun hits harder than a Glock. It's like, fuck you. Okay, so they're they're arguing for the logistics of the actual mechanisms within this world. Yeah. I'm arguing that it's like that to drive the story. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. They don't they don't care. It, it what they don't care about continuity in in the is that what you mean? That's what I mean. Okay. It's whatever is more whatever it's the path of least resistance to get them where they need to be. Mm-hmm. Because the entire reason the rebels are at temperance is stupid. Like there, there's no way a resistance would actually be there in the real world mm-hmm. if this if this was real. It's not a, it's not a strategically smart place to be. Mm-hmm. One, it's the place where the parasite was developed. Right. Yeah. Two, there's technology there that Hale would have access to. Mm-hmm. So the only reason it's there is because Bernard needs that technology, mm-hmm. and they don't want to do a whole nother episode about how they need to go there. So let's just put the rebels here. So it's like, this is, it's fucking lazy is what it is. <laughs> and I stand by that one. Like, I know that one got a lot of downvotes and things like that. I stand by, like, maybe the Caleb stuff I was a little too harsh on, but the stuff with the Rebels and all the Frankie stuff, I stand by that. That is bullshit. So we get our big Bernard death scene. It needs to be dramatic. We see him walking towards a light and seeing his son. Well, actually, he sees Arnold's son because Bernard never really had a son. He just has a memory of a son. And then William does what he, what Meet William said he would do. Uh, William plugs, pulls the plug on the world by having the drone. Well, that's a, God, there's like three different drones in this show. Not the, not the host drone, not the, not the flying drones, the, uh, the, the, the droning, the droning sound, the, uh, what they use to control people, uh, to tell everybody to start killing each other until only the survivors, the, uh, the cockroaches come out on top. If there was a tone that could override your powers as a human being, what would it be? We know what Mike's is. Mine is my neighbor's truck. He revs up his engine while sitting in the parking lot for seemingly no reason at all. Uh, but it's really not good for my brain. Um, I get completely enraged, especially since I sleep during the day. (laughs) Oh, he answers this one. Is Mike's mouth noises? Yeah, chewing. Chewing. On Mike. Yeah, that's a bad one. Let's ask you first. What's yours? Oh, mine? Yeah. Mine is the guy that honks his horn every day. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> every time. That doesn't bother me as much oh, as it, it bothers drives, you. It drives me nuts. Yeah. So we have a very nice neighbor next door. And the problem is he's nice to everybody. And at some point, many years ago, he said like he had just had a nice conversation with somebody who lives in the neighborhood and now every day would this suv drives past our neighbor's house he honks shave and a haircut mm-hmm. and sometimes he drives by that house multiple times a day it doesn't matter if my neighbor's outside in his driveway or not mm-hmm. he just honks at the house yeah it drives me absolutely ape shit because the <laughs> fucking my home office is, is is next to the street. 
or faces the street. So I'm just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, it's like, man, fuck you. <laughs> and it got especially worse when your kid's taking a nap during yeah. the day. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's like, if you wake up my kid, I, I'm going to hunt that car down. I would say any noise that wakes up my child is that noise yeah. that he's talking about. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes our child. <laughs> Sometimes our child, the noises that come out of my child, shuts my brain down. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's she's learning. Mm-hmm. You know? It's fine. Um, it's hard. <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> I wish I could be like Maeve and turn down my, <laughs> my ear receptors. Mm-hmm. I think those are called earplugs. Like, if you just, like, put in earplugs. Yeah, but she can just turn hers down. <laughs> Yeah, that's um, it's special. I feel like there's an implication here that William dropped that this sh- is going to affect humans and hosts alike. But it's hard to tell because we only see Stubbs, Caleb, Dolores, and Teddy. Those are the only hosts we see after this. And Stubbs is an older model, not one of Hale's. But Caleb is one of Hale's. And if he's some sort of hybrid host, then... If I'm presuming that I know what a hybrid host is correctly, that he's got some human in him that you'd expect either way the droning would work on him, either from like a host command or from the drone command. This seems this seems odd, but we still really don't know anything about what Caleb is, except that he has something that Hale doesn't. But how does that translate? You know. I'm not going to bitch about that too much because we still have another episode here to presumably answer it before everybody's going to die. Um, I don't think this is a pedantic issue at all. I don't think it's nitpicky. I think it's something that absolutely needs to be addressed. And if they don't, I'm sorry. (laughs) The comment section can be as pissed as they want. But if that's the case on the writing and the storytelling of the show, it's just fucking plain bad. Like, it's just big ideas with no soul. So Christina's horrified, absolutely horrified by what's happening and is trying to use her powers to get everyone to stop, but it isn't working. Teddy tells her they can't hear her over the drone. But then in the next scene, she mentions that it's like they can't even see her. And Teddy says it's because the world is real, but she isn't in it. So which is it? Does that mean she's a host or does that mean that she is literally not there, like physically not present? That's a, that that is confusing. I haven't. It doesn't make sense because she's interacted with the world. Yeah. And she's obviously affected things like mm-hmm. she told people what to do. She mm-hmm. has a roommate and things like that. And it's again, suddenly when it's convenient for the writers, she doesn't exist because before like not. Five minutes before that, Teddy says the reason she can't control anybody is because they can't hear her over the drones. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. Sure, yeah. Next scene, she's like, it's like people can't see me. And then it's, well, the world is real, but you're not a part of it. Yeah, you're not real. Right. What does that mean? It's dumb. (laughs) I don't know if it's dumb. They have another episode to play that out. But it's still, it, it defies, it's convoluted best because again she's walking through olympiad she sees caleb they go down the hall and i mean this was the first clue that i had that something goofy was going on was obviously 
when Stubbs and Frankie go down that hallway mm -hmm. and not a second and a half later, mm -hmm. Teddy and Christina come from the, from that direction. Yeah. So it's like, at first I thought, okay, are they in a different timeline? Are they, are they actually ahead of everything? That's what I was thinking too. It was a, it was a time, time frame difference. But then it couldn't be because they're interacting with things that are happening now. Exactly. So yes, it's, it's goofy. It's goofy. <laughs> like you're seeing, and well, that's the other thing is they're seeing everybody but Bernard, and or I'm sorry, they're seeing everybody but Stubbs and Frankie. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's weird. Yeah. So I think it's one of those things where they just decided to cut it to like fuck with people's heads, and there's like no real rhyme or reason behind it because they want to pretend to be cle more clever than they actually are when they make this show. Oh shit. But then the episode closes out with William as the man in black walking across the bridge away from the tower as the tower overloads and blows up behind him as we hear some David Bowie. So the tower is destroyed like Bernard intended, and the only cost was pretty much all of host and humankind. And finally, um, there was more chair destruction by the writers... On the show, the shit with chairs never ends. Uh, the writers call this episode Metanoia. What is more meta than the writers of the show writing that the writers on the show destroyed their chairs? Uh, completely ridiculous, but I absolutely loved it. So yeah, the chairs. So you, you've missed out on the chair talk. So episode, I guess it's episode five. Yeah. Uh, Hale makes a chair of people oh, and sits yeah, in it. for sure. So that's why we call her Chair Loris now. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Uh, episode six, the one with Caleb uh, doing the Die Hard thing. Caleb doing the Die Hard thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, she gets really mad at Caleb and she throws her chair. Yep. Okay. And then this episode. The chairs. They smash everything with yeah. chairs. Yeah. Good instrument destruction. Apparently. <clears throat> we're going to find out the chairs were the enemy all along. <laughs> the chairs were the ones that were actually controlling everyone's brains. The 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 giant Sky Mall bodies that Hale wants to upload into are actually Sky Mall chairs. Um, so who do we think? So Bernard leaves a message on that tablet before he gets killed. He's not shutting down the tower. He's leaving a message. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that... Uh, William's the one that destroys the tower. Mm -hmm. So he's leaving a message like, this is the world. This isn't the world you wanted, but it's the world you made. Yeah. Reach out with your left hand. There's one more game left. Who do you think he's leaving that for? I originally thought it was for Christina slash Dolores. Mm -hmm. um, and I still kind of think that, but I'm very confused mm -hmm. as to you're not really here. You're fake. I'm suspecting that he's actually leaving it for William. Really? Yeah. Why? Because William's the one that's creating the new world. Okay. This isn't the one this more isn't... level of the game, too. I mean, like, but it was always it. It's either William or or Dolores or the new version of Christina. Mm -hmm. It's it's got to be one of them because those those two were the original players of the game. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I guess it could be William, but I don't I don't see how that's going to play out. But, you know, we don't know yet. Yeah. 
Um, so we have a meta spoiler here, and I call it a meta spoiler because it's not something you would pick up from the episode itself. Okay. This is from the next on and the, uh, so we see in the next on that one of the drones is carrying Hale's body. Okay. And then we also see a scene where there's a hand with a fingerless glove holding what appears to be a uh, control unit, a brain ball, whatever you call it. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, that fingerless glove thing looks a lot like what Tessa Thompson is wearing in these interviews in the making of Westworld. So, so Tessa Thompson, so it seems like Hale is not dead Hmm. yet. Damn. Or whatever. <laughs> so the question becomes then, do we think this is truly the end of Bernard and Maeve? Hmm. Probably not. They don't nobody dies in this fucking show. That's true. Come on. Um, I could go either way. Um, with the Bernard thing. I think Maeve for sure they're bringing back. The writers are so in love with her that they put her in things at the expense of other characters' stories mm-hmm. and other characters' agencies are <laughs> so it's uh, like you had a perfect opportunity to make Frankie look like a total badass by killing Jay, but instead she looks completely ineffective and Maeve saves her ass instead. Mm-hmm. So that was stupid. Um, this could be the end of the end of Bernard um, because they make such a big deal about him dying. Yeah. And maybe he dies, but he comes back. Yeah. Which again, I mean, that's, you can die like in the story like you could have like yeah I, i'm dead i'm dying i yeah, died i feel like bernard wouldn't be that mopey about him dying if it was going to be yeah but i'm gonna come back um like i said i like bernard i want more of bernard um but yeah again the, a big part of the plot was that he was going to die mm-hmm. so no matter what you're either gonna cheapen his death if you bring him back yeah. but also the way they killed him was pretty fucking cheap so, fuck it. Bring Bernard back. Yeah, I why guess. not? Do it. Um, do you think Stubbs is going to die next episode? We no, actually kind of we already yeah, talked we about that, this. and I do not think Stubbs is going to die. I don't think Stubbs is going to. I think he's going to outlive them all. I think. Well, here's the thing. I think everybody's going to die <laughs> because I think the next season's going to be even further in the future. Mm, okay. So yeah. I think okay. I think Frankie's gonna die. I think Caleb's gonna die. Sure. I think Stubbs is going to die. Okay. Uh, like everybody's going to die in this like kind of like apocalyptic scenario, and then be reborn again in the next world because we know that Bernard is copying their Frankie and the Resistance data mm-hmm. to make them into hosts. Mm-hmm. Like he admits to, he doesn't deny this. He just says you just have to trust me. And Frankie gets shot in the stomach, which. Yeah. It's not a great place to be shot. So <laughs> she's probably going to die. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, yeah. So I, yeah, I don't think Caleb's or I don't think Stubbs is going to be killed, killed. Um, I think we're definitely going to see Stubbs in season five. We better see Stubbs in season five because <laughs> Stubbs is pretty much the only reason to watch the show at this point. He's Why the do most, you say that? He's the most believable character and he's the most empathetic character. <laughs> he's empathetic. 
Yeah. Yeah, you think the so? The one that you feel the most empathy towards is uh, what I'm I see. Saying. I see. The most empathy-inducing yes. character. Not empathetic in that he has empathy for anyone else. Actually, he might. He actually might be the most empathetic character, too. Yeah, he might. He might. He goes along with, with a lot to help help the resistance. Uh, so so the things that they, they absolutely have to show, if, 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 I don't know, I don't know if Mike's coming back for season five. To oh, really? For, for this. You think that he's done with the show entirely? He, I mean, it was, he almost didn't do this season because he, he didn't like season three so much. Damn. And okay. you left after season three. Cause everybody's going to leave me all alone. I'm going to talk into this. <laughs> Just gonna talk into this microphone by myself mm. forever, forever into forever. the void, into the void. Um, but again, like I, I really like the season up until these last couple episodes, and I'm afraid they're not gonna stick the landing. Uh, for me, sticking the landing means you have to, you have to pay off whatever this Christina thing is, and we have to finally learn what Caleb has that makes oh, him so fucking important. Thousand percent, I totally agree with that point. Because, <coughs> because they've done this, I have something you don't have, Chekhov's gun. They've pointed it twice and have not fired it once. Mm-hmm. So they they have to pay that off, and they have to pay it off this season. Otherwise, it's bullshit. Um, and then they better fucking show what's going on with Maya and Clementine. Mm-hmm. I want to see more with her. And Maya, we haven't seen since episode five, I don't think. Which one's Maya again? Maya is Christina's roommate. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, maybe she never existed because Christina isn't real. Shit. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I mean, my theory was definitely that Teddy wasn't real because mm-hmm. I thought I thought Christina was real and Teddy wasn't real, yeah. and Teddy was just a manifestation in her mind. Like I is too. Maybe everybody. Maybe this whole show is. Maybe it's all just a bad dream. That's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Not in a good way, but I bet they would do something like that. Yep. I bet they would say this whole show has been a fucking simulation. <gasps> it's all been in Bernard's mind the entire time. It's all been on Ford's mind. We're going to see Anthony Hopkins smoking a cigar. No. And <laughs> no, it's all been in, in in his mind. And you see him back at the, uh, forgot the name of it already. Oh, the sublime? The sublime, Oh, Yeah, yeah I'm talking about the entire show. Like the entire series is yeah. a simulation. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, that seems like it's convoluted enough that they might do it. Well, cool. Um, I actually liked this episode about 10 times as much as last episode, which was almost none or almost nothing. Or I don't know what I'm trying to say anymore. Now the chairs are in my head. I can't think of anything except chairs. Um, love you guys. Hope you get home safe, Mike. Chris, we love you too. And thanks so much for your contribution to this episode. Remember, Chris is a sometimes host. He did uh, our Castle Rock coverage, and he's been a longtime contributor. So I appreciate him helping out. But next week, our next episode, it's the season finale of Westworld Season 4. So you can bet Mike and I are going to be here talking about it. And also don't forget that after Westworld ends, the following week, 
Game of Thrones House of the Dragon begins. So we're going back to our roots. We're going back to Westeros, the Watchers on the Couch. And Mike and I will be covering that. That'll do it for this episode. I want to thank you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Tim. I'm Sarah. And Sarah, how about you do Mike sign-off, which is is keep questioning the nature of your reality. Oh, can I do it in my mom voice? Yeah. Or would you like my radio voice? You don't care. You can try both. Can I try Mike's voice? Yeah, do your mic impression. Okay. All right. Hold on. Mia, let me see if I can channel Mike. Well, keep questioning the nature of your reality. I don't know. Is that you think what's... Mike sounds like that? No, I don't actually. What did, what, did I say it right? Yeah, you said keep, the right words. Keep questioning the nature of your reality. Yeah. All right. Can I do another take? As Mike, or are you just going <laughs> to. Are you going to. Are we going to sit here this until is you get what Mike we're right? gonna do. This is what we're going to do. Okay. Yeah. Keep questioning the nature of your reality. No, that's an infomercial. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> well, we'll keep we'll keep working on it. Okay. We'll we'll see. We'll workshop it. Mm-hmm. By the end of by the end of the next episode, you won't know where Mike ends and where Sarah begins, which is going to make our relationship real fucking weird. Yeah, yeah, that'll be cool. Yeah, sounds great. But in the meantime, kick a chair. Hey, if you made it this far into the show, let me just say thanks. It means a lot that you take the time to listen to us goof around, and we'd love to hear from you and let us know how we're doing. Consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or wherever you leave your podcast reviews, and reach out on any of our various social media channels. Links in the description.